Can you fly this plane and land it? Why, yes! Land? No! Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Oh, command me, Lord. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good and it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. That's right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Thank you for being with us once again. Um, we are in our second episode of the new year. So for us, that's 1989. Uh, for you, it's maybe 2019. Maybe you're listening to this at another time. But uh, for us right now, it's 2019. So the the idea of our podcast, the 30-something movie podcast, is that we take whatever year we're currently in and we jump back. Uh, we jump in the DeLorean and, and go back about 30 years, and we talk about movies that are reaching their 30th anniversary with a few bonus episodes of new movies, or maybe we have some other movies that are hitting particular milestones, um, and we talk about those as well. But since the main premise of our show is that we jump back 30 years, we are currently in 1989. Last week, we finally, finally got to Batman. Pat, one of the co-hosts here, has been waiting for three and a half years. Ever since we started this show, he's been waiting for Batman. And so we finally got to Batman last week. So if you did not catch that one, go back to episode 221 and check out our Batman show. Uh, we, we, we had uh, had everybody on. We spent a while talking about that one. So uh, if you are a fan of Batman, even if you're not a fan of Batman, go check out that show. Um, and you can hear just how excited Pat is. Giddy as a schoolboy, you might even say. He was never even giddy when he was a schoolboy. Um, so very, very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about. We're going to do that in this show, too. So if you don't want to be spoiled, just be aware. Um, also, if you have not given us an iTunes review yet, we would really appreciate that. If you have no money or don't like to give money to podcasts, uh, but you would like to support us in some way, feel free to, if you're on Twitter, retweet us, follow us, do all that stuff. We're on Facebook as well, uh, Instagram, but uh, an iTunes review would really help out. If you're listening to the show and you're enjoying the show, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you're loving about that show. That helps us out to get more recognition too. So that would be a great way for you to non-monetarily uh, support the show. And then also feel free to visit our website if you want to find out more. We are 30podcast.com. So tonight I am joined by my co-hosts Pat Canigallo, Jeff Mazuka, and Bo Warmbold. Gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? Quite well, thank you, John. How are you? I am excellent, excellent. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? I'm a little tired, but you know, hey, here we are. Here we are. Last, this is our last crusade of the night. It is the last crusade. And Patrick, how are you doing? I'm just doing great. <laughs> This is like your month. Like the, you, this is the anti-October for you. Ah, Venice. Mm -hmm. Pat's not a fan of the horror movies. If you have not listened before, so this is like Pat's favorite month when we do all the action movies, and then when we get to October, Pat tolerates everything. I crawl under a blanket and cuddle. That's fine. 
It's fine. All right. So I don't have any new movie news uh, this time around. You know what? I, there was one thing that popped up. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. Uh, I did see that. I don't know if you guys ever saw the old, I think it was 1990 version of Roald Dahl's The Witches. Yeah. You ever see that one? Robert Zemeckis is working on a remake of The Witches. No kidding. Mm. So I think I think I read maybe it's planned for 2020. Um, and it is... I don't remember if they said it was going to be darker or scarier or what was going to be happening, but uh, that's all I heard was Robert Zemeckis is working on a remake of Roald Dahl's The Witches. So for the, Very interesting. For the time being, that's all the movie news I've got, so we can go ahead and jump right on into This Week in 89. So this is what was happening around the world in the week of roughly January 16th to January 22nd. Uh, January 20th, George H.W. Bush is the first vice president since Martin Van Buren to be declared president of the United States. The top book this week in 89 was The Sands of Time by Sidney Sheldon. The top movie was Rain Man, and the top song was Two Hearts by Phil Collins. I think we are ready to jump on into our movie this time around. So this time around, we are looking at Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. This one came out the 24th of May, 1989, rated a PG-13. Runtime of two hours and seven minutes. Directed by Steven Spielberg, who did a few little movies here and there. Uh, he did E.T. and Jurassic Park. Produced by Robert Watts, who also did uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Alive. Uh, writers for this one were Jeffrey Bohm, who did the screenplay. He died in 2006. Uh, he also did writing for The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Um, George Lucas did the story. He's obviously known for Star Wars, Willow, and a whole bunch of other things. And um, I'm going to mess up this last name. I meant to look up how it's pronounced, but Meno Mayes. I don't know if I said that right. Um, he is also a writer for The Color Purple. Cinematography was done by Douglas Slocum, who died in 2016. He did cinematography for the indie movies and a movie called The Lion in Winter. And then music was done by John Williams, who also did, you know, a couple little soundtracks here and there, uh, namely Superman and E.T. Budget for this one was $48 million. Box office was $474.2 million. Flick Metrics gives it an 82%, and that averages out the Rotten Tomatoes Critics Meter of an 88, Audience Rating of a 94, IMDb gives it an 83, Letterboxd gives it an 81, and Metascore gives it a 65. Starring Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, he was in the Star Wars movies and The Fugitive. Uh, Sean Connery was Professor Henry Jones, he was in the James Bond movies and The Highlander. Uh, Denholm Elliott, who died in 1992, played Marcus Brody. Uh, he got lost in his own museum once, but he was also in the indie movies and Trading Places. Allison Duty played Elsa. Go ahead and giggle. <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, she was in A View to a Kill and Major League Two. John Reese davies played Sala. He was in the indie movies and Lord of the Rings movies. Julian Glover played Walter Donovan. He was in The Empire Strike Strikes Back and For Your Eyes Only. River Phoenix played Young Indy. He was in Stand By Me and The Mosquito Coast. Michael Byrne played Vogel. He was in Tomorrow Never Dies and The Sum of All Fears. Kvork Malikian played Kazim. He was in Midnight Express and Exodus Gods and Kings. And Robert Edison, who died in 1991, played the Grail Knight. He was in a movie called The Eustace Diamonds. Here is the trailer, and we'll be back in just a second. Indiana Jones returns, and this time, he's bringing his dad. Junior! Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I like Indiana. We're named the dog Indiana. Rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, May 24th. Okay, so for this movie in particular, it I was watching one of the like behind the scenes videos, and I think Jeff, when you were we were like texting back and forth, um, I think you watched some of the special uh, features on your copy of it too. 
Yes. Yeah. So I was listening to some of the stuff about the behind the scenes of this movie. And originally the idea for this was to have something to do with a haunted castle. And Steven Spielberg had been working on Poltergeist. And so he said, nope, 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 nope. Don't want to do Haunted Castle. I'm not interested in that. Steve, uh, uh, George Lucas, that was kind of his idea. And he said, no, I don't want to do that. So I guess the uh, Castle Brunvald was the uh, leftover of the Haunted Castle idea. And um, and I think the Scottish Lord part was too, because I think it was going to be a, a Haunted Castle in Scotland. Um, but, but then what the, about the tapestries? Is, do you not have tapestries? Yeah. Um, that was a horrible... Scottish impersonation, just like Harrison Ford's was. Um, so they decided instead that they wanted to do some kind of a father-son story. Like they, they bandied about that idea of having Indiana Jones's father show up and what that relationship would look like. And ultimately, through all kinds of different revisions and iterations, we got the, the idea of the Holy Grail. That was one of the other ideas that uh, George Lucas wanted to go with. And Steven Spielberg was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if that's if that's enough of a story. And um, so then obviously they pulled everything all together. And what we get as a result is Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I don't think like, just like I did last time with Batman, I don't think I need to ask if this is the first time anybody's seen this. So let me ask, did you see this in the theater? I'm, I think I, I think I did. I think I went with some, uh, some friends, uh, like a couple of friends and, and their, um, Mom took us, but I, I I do remember seeing this in the theater. I am almost positive I did not see it in the theater. Yeah, I don't think I did either. But numerous times on video rental and purchase and on TV and yeah. Yeah, we were always big Indiana Jones fans, so we saw this would have been the first one would have had a chance to really go see in the theater. Um you know, we the others we watched at home. I know we had uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark taped off of HBO. Um, I never knew that there was a first like three or four minutes of that movie because we I guess we started taping it three or four minutes into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I, awesome. I had no idea like how he got to this temple in the first place, and you know, all I knew was that he was swinging across this thing with a whip, and he had some other guy with him, and they were running from something, and. Um, it wasn't until many, many years later that I got a DVD copy and realized there was an extra three minutes to this movie. Um, but yeah, so we, this movie, I know we saw this in the theater and this, we didn't even, my dad didn't even bother, uh, renting this one. I think the moment it came out on VHS, he bought it. And I remember watching this regularly, um, in our house and, and remember that vividly because I was thinking the other night when we watched this, um, watched it with my daughter for the first time. Uh, and I remember we, we popped in the Blu-ray copy and started watching it. I'm like, you know what I really miss about this Blu-ray copy is that there's not a Pepsi commercial at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. You remember that Pepsi commercial that was on the VHS? I do. God, that's been years. Mm-hmm. Where that's a husband, that's it's a husband and wife sitting on the couch and they're watching uh, Last Crusade. And he kind of asks her, he's like, oh, you know, she's, since you're up, can you go get me a Pepsi? And as she goes into the kitchen to go get a Pepsi, like she has to go through all these different obstacles and there's snakes mm-hmm. and the floor falls through. And, and then she has to choose, but choose wisely between, I think, was it Pepsi and Coke that were in the fridge? Yep. Yeah. And then she chooses the Pepsi and... You know, everything still falls apart, but she chose wisely and she slides back in the living room and the husband has no idea any of this happened. So I I vividly remember that every time we'd watch that on the VHS copy. It's a, 
Oh, wait. I think it's a Diet Coke commercial. I think we Oh, is it Diet Coke? Do I have it backwards? Okay. Yeah, I just... Well, no, wait. I'm seeing both now. Okay. Opening to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That looks like a Diet Coke. Is I it? wonder okay. if they were it might both. Be. That's intriguing. Because in my head, it was Pepsi, too. But yeah. I wonder if that's just Freudian. Okay. Now that you say that, though, I, I, I'm kind of picturing it with a Diet Coke. So I might have remembered that wrong. Well, that was in the middle I'm of... I'm watching it on YouTube right now. Okay. That was the middle of the Cola Wars, so it was a big old fight between Coke and Pepsi anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. And Coke, you know you know what? I bet it was Coke, because if you think about it, when have you ever been to a movie theater and seen a Pepsi? Right. At least around here. Yeah, that's true. Coke, for whatever reason, has found its way into the movies. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the story of this movie, we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about the actors and we'll talk about the music and, and all the other stuff as well. But in terms of the story of this movie, how do you feel about the story? Now, this is the um, you know of of the different options within archaeology. Some people um, some people criticize the fourth Indiana Jones movie for being too sci fi ish, uh, featuring aliens and all kinds of other stuff. Um, aliens in the crystal skull aliens in a crystal and the, skull yeah. and and you know and i've heard the one of the only criticisms i've heard of this movie is that um is that people wished it would have branched out and not done another like uh judeo-christian artifact from history because mm-hmm. we already had the ark from the first movie and then we we went to um we went to Asia for the second movie, the uh, Temple of Doom, and then we came back and we had the Holy Grail. So that's one of the only criticisms I've heard of this movie is that some people say, well, I wish they would have done something from some other part of the world. But other than any kind of discussion about that, how does the story of this movie work for you? Like the, the father-son story and, and all that? Well, I think the Holy Grail is, the, is such a great metaphor for this story. Because, you know, when you're looking at it, it's, you know, what's the Holy Grail that they're after? They're after the, that father-son relationship. That's the Holy Grail that they're trying to achieve. So to have it, have them actually going after the literal Holy Grail, I think that's what it needs to be. That's what the MacGuffin needs to be. Otherwise, you you miss out on the on that wonderful metaphor. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's okay that we lose it in the end, because that's not really what they were looking for. Right. I think the father-son tie-in, like Jeff was talking about, you got to have something that bridges that gap. I think, you know, unfortunately, I think Judeo-Christian artifacts would have been what people were looking for at that time also. Mm -hmm. Um, Him being a... A, a professor of archaeology, I suppose they could have done something Egyptian, but I don't think you would have been able to tie in his father having a diary, having searched for the same artifact for that many years. I think the there's so many layers with the Grail in particular because it's been to so many places. It also allowed you to hit all these different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it gave you the Nazi tie-in, which I think they wanted i think they liked the nazi angle from raiders yeah and they thought it it brought an extra level to the movie and lord knows there are many stories about the nazis searching for all of these artifacts mm-hmm. so i think it just it needed to be there 
Patrick, what about you? Are, are we still, I mean, I didn't want to interrupt you because I wondered if you were still looking up pictures of the Batmobile from last week. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought, are we still okay. on question number four from last week? I, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Are you still designing your Batmobile? I'm, I'm still designing my Batmobile. Um, he, the story worked for me. You know, I, I guess it's funny. I just never really thought about it other than when people had me, like when we started thinking about it, you know, it, I think it, it just, it was like they got the magic formula right with this and with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, it, you know, I, I guess it, it, it never bothered me. It never, it just, it just seemed to work. The formula seemed to work and it was enough of, you know, they made it a little bit more mystic, um, in terms of the grail and, and that, then maybe necessarily what I believe as part of my faith, but it doesn't, it's, it's not the purpose of the, that's the purpose of the movie. So it works, you know, I, I just, yeah, it works. Well, I'm, when they, when they created this story, they were trying to right the wrongs they did with Temple of Doom. Because mm -hmm. the Spielberg said the Temple of Doom went to a much darker place than uh, than they had, they had intended, so they tried to bring back some of the lightness and some of the fun from the Raiders movie, which I think they did. And then you add just added that whole other depth of having the that broken relationship between Indy and his dad, and having that dynamic run throughout the movie as well. Because that's what gave you something new. So it wasn't just Raiders all over again. And they did such a great job of that relationship in this movie. Because I think if you, if you would have, if you get, if you got any other action hero and you told me, we're going to make a movie with John McClane and John McClane's dad, or, you know, we're going to do um, Riggs and Murtaugh and their dads. You know, I, I think that I'd be a little bit worried about that movie. Luke Skywalker and his dad. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that would never work, man. Yeah, if it was like a buddy adventure with the two of them. Um, but in Latin, Joe, no. Yeah, I, I think if you would have told me, if you told me that there was any other action hero and we were going to do our next sequel was going to be that person and their dad, then I would be worried about it. But I think that they just did such a phenomenal job with the story with choosing the actors for this um you know the story is why it worked yeah they had a great story and it sounds like the actors too you know they were strong enough established enough actors that i mean sean connery harrison ford that they brought their own stuff to this i one of the behind the scenes videos i was watching said that uh, sean connery himself said Look, the, the character that George Lucas wrote for, you know, Henry Jones, Professor Henry Jones Sr., um, he was very flat. He was a very flat, very conservative character, and I had a lot of pointers. And I gave him a lot of pointers, and that, you know, the character ended up being what it was because I was able to give feedback. So I think had they had they tried to bring in anybody else who didn't have the the status to be able to say to Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, hey, look this is what this character should be, then I think you would have ended up with a very different movie. So what about the actors that we have? I mean, this is kind of, we, we brought back, so we talked about, you know, bringing back the magic of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You bring back uh, Marcus, you bring back Sala. Uh, so you've brought back some of the side characters from the original. Um, and then you've got Sean Connery cast as the dad. And then obviously you've got Harrison Ford as 
as Indy. Um, you have that flashback uh, scene at the beginning where you've got River Phoenix playing young Indiana Jones. How well, you know, talk a little bit about the actors in this movie. Well, I think Harrison Ford and, uh, and um, Sean Connery just nailed it with the father-son dynamic. I, I just, and, and, and watching it this time, you know, when we start talking about favorite scenes, I almost think just their interplay is, is some of the best scenes. When they first, when he first rescues Henry and uh, they're sitting there and they, the Nazis have him and you think my son would be stupid enough to bring the diary that I sent him all the way back and, and you could just see the look on Harrison Ford's face. I mean, you, that, that would be, it was like he was 12 getting in trouble for, you know, playing with matches or something. It's like, uh, yeah. uh, dad, uh, dad, are you, are you kidding me? What? Well, I should have sent it to the Marx Brothers, you know, and the yeah. look, the glare, the Sean, I mean, it's a very paternal, like, oh man, dad's ticked kind of look. She talks in her sleep. <laughs> I, well, that, and then if you notice for the next 30 seconds, they're like exchanging looks like talks. Yeah. Wait, what? You mean you wait? You know, and then it's just looks, and you realize that what totally transpires just with the two of them throwing looks at each other, and uh, and then and then the, the whole dialogue of, well, I'm as human as the next man. I was the next man. That's just icing on the cake because the setup, the humor of the scene is the father and son sharing looks of, Dad, are you kidding? You did? Oh, you didn't. You did, and it's all done with looks. Um, you know, right down to the plane. You know, when they when they. They're on the beach, and they're getting out of the car, and he says, Dad, <laughs> he's coming back. And it's the, he's coming back. And the way he says it, he's almost like a whiny, stompy yeah. kid. You know, I, it's just, uh, that interplay is, is just truly great. Um, and how much better that that wonderful father-son dynamic is inside an Indiana Jones adventure movie. You know, that's... Cool. Well, they, they start that father-son thing so perfectly. You you you, you kind of jumped to when they were, you know, he's saying the thing about, you think my son would be stupid enough to, but even jump back to when he first crashes through that window and his dad hits him over the head with the uh, mink vase. It's a, it's a fake, but it's a um, fake, you can, you can tell from the cross section. Um, but he hits him over the head. And the first thing when he says, junior is yes, sir. Like, yeah. he's, like back into like father-son mode after not seeing each other for however many years. He stands when, up straight and like almost stands at attention. Yeah. And then you get the, um, you know, the part was he, he keeps calling him junior dad. I told you. And then he grabs the guy's machine gun, kills them all. And just the way Sean Connery's like, I can't believe what you just did. <laughs> Look at what you just did. And he's like, he's talking to a child that just made a mess somewhere. <laughs> no, it, it, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, if they, you'd almost watch this movie and just think, you know what? Are, are they father and son in real life? Because, it almost doesn't seem like they're acting. Yeah, I know. I like I liked it when they crash. And I think the car, you know, doesn't come much closer than this. Yeah. The bomb <laughs> drops and they end up in the crater. And uh, and he says, "Would you say this is a typical day for you?" No, it's not. Yeah. Most days are worse. <laughs> no, it's better than most, or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was my. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. It's better than most. Or they're trying to kill us. It's like I know, Dad. It's like, well, it's a new experience for me. Well, it happens to me all the time. Me all the time. <laughs> and I love I, close to that part too. I, I love this. I, we're already jumping into like favorite scenes, but I figured that's what we do with this movie. Um, is I love the part where they're on the beach, and he's he's done the thing with the uh, with the uh, the umbrella. 
and he's gotten all the seagulls to fly up in the air and destroy that last plane that was coming at them after after Indy had run out of bullets and he had no other options and all of a sudden his dad grabs his umbrella and does that whole thing and he just comes strolling back walking down the beach with his umbrella I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne and he starts spouting off something he read in a book a really long time ago and he's just you just you know walking around like yep normal typical day right after they made that comment of this is a new experience for me all of a sudden his dad has like jumped right into you can tell why this is the guy that you know was the father of indiana jones because mm-hmm. clearly he's just crazy enough to come up with some ideas to get out of these situations so uh, to, to bring it back out of favorite scenes i mean for me those two and all the act the the all the actors really sala and um the guy that got lost in his own museum. I mean, those those are wonderful additions and wonderful co-stars and, and all that. But the interplay between Henry Jones and Indiana Jones is just masterfully done. And I don't know I don't know how much of this is is on the actor and how much of of this is on the script. But the guy who plays the smuggler in the opening scene with River Phoenix, mm-hmm. who is obviously meant to be who Indiana Jones will become mm-hmm. doing his best impersonation of Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones mm-hmm. for half of that scene. Yeah. Right. Like even that down to that guy, like everybody brought their a game to this one. That mm-hmm. character's name is credited as Fedora. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, know. yeah. I love it. <laughs> of course it is. Why not? Yeah. That's outstanding. And and even and, jumping to that scene, that transition where he puts the hat on his head and then when he raises yep. his head up, then it's it's old indie. Mm-hmm. That is just a great way to transition from that childhood flashback to today, or well, not today, but today in the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, you know, and that speaks to directing and editing, and I, just everybody brought their A game to this movie, and and it shows. And what a great line! You lost today, kid. Mm-hmm but it doesn't mean you've got to like it. That mm-hmm. isn't, I use that in my teaching. I use that on myself. I use that with my own kids. It's a great line. Mm-hmm. What I love about that line is it shows that, you know, there's, it's like, it's no hard feeling. Like young Indy stole from Fedora and Fedora could have been all up in arms and really pissed off. But instead he was like, look, you lost today. But it does mean you have to like it. So it was like no hard feelings after all that. He got, you know, he understood what he was trying to do. But I, I just, I, I do like that character of Fedora, and it's, you know, he's and he's in the movie so briefly. But I, I think because of that characterization, Indy chooses that path. Mm-hmm. Now, had that guy been kind of a jerk, I don't know if Indy would have, you know, gone down that path of becoming an archaeologist. You do get the sense that you know, from the earlier movies too, that, that Fedora was probably a fairly big influence on him because especially in Raiders, you kind of, when they tell some of the backstory of when you get little hints of the backstory of, of Indy and kind of, you know, and in Temple of Doom, when people make comments about, well, we, we've heard stories about you and some of your exploits and, you know, weren't you arrested in the, I think when they're having dinner with the, the British uh, uh, general or, or whoever he is in Temple of Doom, and they make some comment. He's like, I seem to remember you, sir. Weren't you arrested somewhere? And didn't they threaten to have you executed? And You're all vulnerable to vicious rumors. I seem to remember that in Honduras, you were accused of being a grave robber rather than an archaeologist. 
Well, the newspapers greatly exaggerated the incident. And wasn't it the Sultan of Madagascar who threatened to cut your head off if you ever returned to his country? No, it wasn't my head. Then your hands, perhaps. It wasn't my hands, it was my... my misunderstanding. Exactly what we have here, Dr. Jones. And so you kind of get the idea that Indy's got, not only is he the professor of archaeology, but he's also got a little bit of that treasure hunter, you know, tomb raider kind of roguishness about him that he's not, you know, he's not always entirely above board with how he acquires some of these uh, artifacts for the museum. No, but he's Robin Hood. He's, right. you know. It belongs in a museum. Exactly. And River Phoenix. I thought River Phoenix was a great choice for... Uh, young Indy, especially after a couple of years ago when we watched Mosquito Coast. Mm-hmm. And I guess Harrison Ford actually lobbied oh. for River Phoenix to be his son, or not to be a son, but to be young Indy in this movie because they asked him. They're like, we're looking for somebody to play a young you. And he's like, well, in terms of somebody who looks like what I look like at that age, you got to go get this River Phoenix kid. Yeah, I read that too. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. And then he and, and River Phoenix actually said that when they were shooting Mosquito Coast as kind of a joke, he would um, he would like stand behind Harrison Ford and mimic him and like, you know, watch him as he was acting and and you know, like recreate some of his mannerisms and things like that. So he's like, well, I feel like I already had practice for playing a young Indiana Jones anyway, because I was, you know, making fun of Harrison while playing his son in this other movie. So I kind of feel like I got the mannerisms down. So it was a natural that I played him. Yeah, I, I really like, you know, not the actors and the story and everything else. I really like this time period in terms of movies. And I don't know that I feel like we have a whole lot of movies anymore today that kind of go into this time period of like the the adventure story in the 30s and the 40s, this kind of period piece. Um, I, I didn't really think about it too much until, um, you know, not that, maybe a year or two ago. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know what? A lot of my favorite stories and, and a lot of my favorite movies take place during this time period. Like Indiana Jones, The Rocketeer, um, the original Captain America stuff. I mean, a lot of it is like the World War II uh, time period. And typically you've got the Nazis are the bad guys and, you know, you, you've got your hero usually getting entangled with the Nazis and something else happens. But this is just, I, for me, I think in terms of movies and, and action movies, this is a time period that I really enjoy. So I, I like any movie that's going to take place in this time period. I, I, I tend to gravitate toward. Mm-hmm. And Nazis are just good bad guys. Nazis. They really are. I hate these guys. I, I hate, hate Illinois Nazis. Yes. Yeah. So something else uh, that I wanted to bring up with in talking about this movie is just how there are some scenes, and I was talking to Pat about this earlier today, that were just so deliciously Spielberg. Mm-hmm. One of them was, you know, when in the beginning when older Indy goes to reclaim the cross again, and he jumps off the boat right before it blows up, and he's floating out there in the water, and then the uh, the bad guy's white hat floats across the water in front of him, symbolizing the fact that he died. And then at towards the end of the movie, after the tank goes over the cliff, you see Indy's hat kind of roll, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's such a great callback so that when Indy does appear climbing up the side of the cliff... You know, you're a little taken aback because you already have that thought in your head. The way that Spielberg shot that, um, you you have that thought that, well, Indy must have died in the crash. Oh, look, here's the hat. 
we know that this means that this character is dead. Yeah. The other thing I caught this time is, is a kind of a Steven Spielberg thing too, was, um, when he looks through the rear view mirror of the motorcycle and sees the other motorcycles coming up along behind him. And all I could think was must go faster, must go faster. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other shot that I really, really like is, uh, in the library, mm-hmm. you know, when they're, figuring out the Roman numerals, you know, it's got three, three, seven, seven, mm-hmm. ten. Everyone look around for for a number ten. And you see Indy look down. And then the camera pans as Indy goes up the stairs. So it's on ground the camera's on the ground level. Uh-huh. And it pans up the stairs as he's climbing that spiral staircase. And then the camera turns so it's looking over Indy's shoulder. And then it it's angled downward, looking down at the floor, where, which is what Indy was first looking at. And you see the large X on the floor. But just that one fluid camera movement that goes from ground level up to the second story, up the stairs, and then still flows and turns and pans and angles down over Indy's shoulder to see that widespread floor shot. It's, just, it's, it's such a great Spielberg-type camera move. And just the the callback to him in the classroom telling his kids that X never X never marks never marks the spot almost never X almost never no marks he says next and X never ever marks the spot yeah there's no almost to it because then you just answer it says <laughs> X marks the spot and I love that line since we're talking about kind of close to that scene too I love that line where they're down in the catacombs and they're like look the the you know these ancient drawings and then they talk about well the christians would have dug their own tunnels through here and they go by and they look at the one wall and uh and says look well what's this one he goes ark of the covenant she's like are you sure pretty sure and you hear that little ark the raiders of the lost ark that little ark theme Uh kind of playing in the background yeah and 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 speaking of cues i'm just going to jump in and saying within two minutes of starting to watch this movie this might be one of my favorite john williams scores because Mm. The themes are fantastic. The, the music is just wonderful. And it's, it's like all the little incidental cues and little one-measure fragments that just fills in all the gaps and just really makes the movie flow um, are, are present. So it, I really, really enjoy John Williams' score. For- yeah, I don't know what the specific piece of music is called. I, I forgot to look it up before we started recording. But that, that grail theme, I'm just going to call it the grail theme, Because that grail theme that keeps coming back over and over again whenever, you know, when he pours the, the water on the gunshot wound on his father and and that just sometimes it comes in very softly and sometimes it's very loud and, and triumphant. and But just I, I love hearing that little theme every time it gets played in the movie. And, and I, I think I'd agree with you like that, that theme in particular, which I associate with this movie because it's the only movie it's in but is one of my favorite pieces of John Williams music. Well, speaking of themes, I was telling, I was talking to Pat about this earlier today too, that apparently the uh, Indiana Jones theme or that Raiders theme 
was first presented to Spielberg as two separate options, two separate ideas. The first one was dun 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 and then the uh the second one was ended up being what uh the the other part of the song dun 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 and John Williams presented both of those to Spielberg and said, well, which one do you like for your theme? And Spielberg said, well, can't we just, they're, they're both great. Can't we find a way to use both? So John Williams then went back and rewrote it and found a way to incorporate both of those themes into the Raiders theme song. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what would you like option A or option B? Yes. Yes. please. <laughs> Mostly because I don't want you to use them for anyone else. So, you know, let's use them for me. All right, well, here's a really stupid question. Do you have a favorite scene in this movie? Ah. <laughs> I reject your question. Okay, you usually do. I think mine has to be from when he entered the, the interplay, and part of, it, part of this is editing, the way they edited this, the intercutting between Connery and, and Harrison Ford as he's going through the, the trials to get hmm. to the Grail. Yeah. Like the whole where they're, they're both whispering and they're both sort of doing the same mumbly sort of thought processy thing. Just that whole inner cutting sequence is just amazing. Only the penitent man. The penitent. The penitent. The penitent, penitent. Neil. <laughs> and by the way, John, the just to know. starts with an eye. Yeah. Just to know that you've gotten in my head, John, whenever Henry, whenever Harrison Ford says Neil in that scene, all that runs through my head is Neil before Neil Zahn. before Zahn. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, I can't help it. It's a it's a sickness, and it's all your fault. A penitent man kneels before Zod. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly right. Oh man, that would be a great movie. How about it? Indiana Jones and the Zod Crusade. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go home and I am home. Never mind. I'm gonna start writing that right now. Pat, got some fans. Pat, you design your Batmobile. I'm gonna write the next movie. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. Um, since you said that one, Bo, that actually was going to be my favorite part of the movie was the entire grail challenges that he has to go through. Um, so since you said that one, I'm going to, I'm going to jump back to the scene where, uh, let's, let's just go with the entire scene of, uh, Henry and Indiana tied up together on the chair. And ah, from yes. the first moment we see them tied up in that chair to when they escape, um, you know, they go through the whole fire and they escape from there, but that, that entire segment, when they, they start off, we've already kind of talked about, they start off with the whole back and forth of how do you know she was a Nazi? She talks in her sleep. Um, mm -hmm. and just those back and forth looks. And then, you know, when he, when he gets the, when everybody leaves and he gets the lighter out of his pocket and, uh, son, there's something I need to tell you. It's not now, it's not time to get sentimental now, dad. Uh, the the floor is on the car, curtains on fire and the chair and the chair. <laughs> well, and and let's just interject with the look Sean Connery sh throws over his shoulder. Yeah. When he says, "Ah, oh, Dad, it's not time to get sentimental," and he looks back, and it's just like you just. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> that little yeah. piece in there really that makes that scene. Yeah. And well, and and I'll tell you, even uh, when they this is how we say goodbye in Austria. Yeah. And she's kissing him, and and, mm -hmm. she, and right before she says that, or right after something, she just says, you know, I, I haven't forgotten. The other night was quite wonderful. Yeah, how wonderful and it was. He, and, and Sean Cotton, yeah, he says, oh, yes, it was. <laughs> but if you notice, Harrison Ford throws this look over his shoulder. Yeah. 
at, at like really dad and <laughs> when he looks over his shoulder but the way they film it is not the camera it barely catches Indy's face yeah so not only is Indy, is Harrison Ford making it like a sidelong glance over his shoulder the mm -hmm. camera fills it so it's you just get this fleeting look which just really adds to that whole look of disgust like oh come on dad she's not talking to you you know yeah. so it was they they just uh, real great attention to detail both with the camera work and the 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 acting uh in making those scenes when you, you mentioned before with their relationship, just the looks that they give each other, I, I do love that one look when he um, when he ends up jousting the guy on the motorcycle. Yep, yep. And he's just he's just laughing, and he looks at his dad, and his dad is just so stern faced, and he just all of a sudden yeah. straightens up. He's like, oh, okay, I guess it's not funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. All right, Pat. Did you did you say a favorite scene? Did you have one, or are you also uh, rejecting the question? You know what? I don't. But here's okay. what I I'm going to throw out this real quick. Uh, Jeff and I were talking the other day about the Mission Impossible movies, and one point that Jeff brought up is that he said, uh, in his estimation, it's like the new Mission Impossible movies have become really great action movies, mm -hmm. but they kind of lost a little bit of what he liked about Mission Impossible. And Jeff, correct me if I'm misquoting you. Uh, lost a little bit about what he likes about Mission Impossible, which is, you know, solving riddles, not solving riddles, but figuring your way in and out of impossible scenes or situations, mm. you know, the spy craft and, and, and the, the brain teasers and all that kind of stuff, in addition to the action. And I just want to say that with this movie, when I was trying to pick my favorite scene, I was like, oh, well, uh, how about the train chase? Oh, no. How about the motorcycle chase? Oh, but there's a blimp and plane chase. But then there's a car a and plane chase. No ticket. But then, but, but yeah. then there's a tank chase, and it, and and there's all these action pieces that just seemingly keep going more and more over the top. But it never loses its flavor as an Indiana Jones movie. At no point are you like, okay, that was great action, but eh, it, it you kind of lose what really makes Indiana Jones special. You know that the whole unlocking pieces of history and finding the mystery and figuring out the dimensions of the headpiece and the staff of Ra and putting it in the right hole at the right time and all that you got in the first in Raiders, now you've got that plus all these wonderful juicy action sequences. So good on them for, for finding that balance of still making an Indiana Jones movie with one after another. Oh, and a boat chase. We forgot about the boat chase. There's like yeah. just so many different action sequences but it's still an Indiana Jones movie. I've got two scenes that I, I want to mention real quick. One being um, uh, after Indy kind of goes off about how brilliant Marcus is, and you, you'll never catch up to him. He's got a two-day head start. He's, uh, <laughs> he speaks a dozen languages, this, that, and the other, and then it cuts to Brody walking through the, the village. He's like, does Hello? anybody speak English? Anybody speak English? Oh, anybody, anyone help me? No, I don't want water. Fish make love in it, you know. And just like all these weird comments that he's making, like clearly out of his element. And I just, I love, I love Denholm Elliott in that role, but especially in that scene. And just Lost in his own museum. Just the real weird things that he says, like, you know, no, I don't want water. Fish make love in it. Like, what the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> um, but the other moment that I absolutely love is uh, right at the end when... Uh, right after Elsa dies and Indiana uh, is realizing the grail is within his reach. Mm, yeah. 
And his dad is saying, you know, Junior, let it go. You're a junior. And you give me your other hand. And then you finally you just hear Indiana. Mm-hmm. Indiana, let it go. And just like mm-hmm. that moment right there, like that, th- that's everything. And that's the only moment in the whole movie that he calls him Indiana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what that kind of like breaks him out of the spell of I can almost reach it. I can, and then he hears his dad, Indiana. And I, I love that Spielberg didn't show Connery say it. You just hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and all you're seeing is Harrison Ford's reaction shot. I did uh, try to explain to my daughter that this movie is, is the origin of the movie Frozen. <laughs> because you have Elsa and she needs to let it go. Well, there you go. She just kind of rolled her eyes at me. So I figured I'd as as I'm sure she does uh, very often. Yeah, yeah. She she didn't believe that, but I'm I'm gonna go with it. All right. Well, I think we're ready for our five questions. So we'll run through the five questions really quickly here. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. First of the five questions... How would you rank the four indie movies? And we can even include the Young Indiana Jones series if you've seen that. Ooh. This is diff- This is not difficult, and then it gets difficult. Uh-huh. Do you want me to go first and give you some time? Yes. Okay. Uh, mine is Last Crusade first, followed very closely by Raiders, and then Temple of Doom, and then the Young Indiana Jones series, and then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I am almost in lockstep. I flip-flop Young Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I think I saw the Temple of Doom at too young an age, and I think it scarred me in some way. I still, to this day, think some of those scenes are creepy, and they're really not anymore. Oh, see, that's where you and I are very different, because I saw it at a young age, and it made me the person I am today. Well, you're just a sick, <laughs> sick man. What can I say? Did I? T- I bet when we did the podcast, I mentioned this, but when I was in school and we got to write a letter to a celebrity, I wrote a letter to Harrison Ford telling him my favorite scene in that movie was when the person got their heart pulled out of their chest. Oh, of course you did. Yeah. So I, I probably that have. That one never bothered me so much. Something about the eyeball soup still to this day. Oh, man. I love that part. Stand on end. Chilled monkey brains. Snake surprise. What's the surprise? more snakes mm-hmm. yep <laughs> uh, you know what i'm i can make mine real quick i i am right there with john i would say uh uh three one two four and then uh well and then uh, no three one two then the young indiana jones and then the legend the kingdom of the crystal skull okay i think i'd have to agree and i've never seen young indy oh. it's fun mm-hmm I remember I started watching on Netflix at one point and only got a few episodes in, but I have no recollection of those episodes or what any of them were about, but I still think I'd rank it higher than Crystal Skull. Okay. Well, it's because Crystal Skull's an abomination. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and actually, uh, you you kind of are in line with um, one of our listeners who regularly contributes to Twitter and Facebook, uh, Jason, um, Jason Colvin, 
And he actually responded when I posted some stuff up on Facebook about uh, that we were recording this one. And he said that, actually, I think he responded to this question just by saying he's never watched the young indie stuff that I think he said he started to watch the first episode and it just didn't hook him. So he, he felt like that was long enough, to, not long enough ago that uh, he was going to need to give it a second chance, but that he kind of started to watch it. And I, and I will agree that I think at least several of those first episodes were kind of slow moving. Mm-hmm. So you, I think you got to kind of get through those, but it, on the whole, I remember even as a kid watching it and it being a fun series, but it's been a very long time since I've seen it, but I still think I'd definitely rank it above Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. And I want to follow that up by saying, I didn't hate, I know you said it was Abomination, Bo, but I didn't hate <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's still, like, for me, even, this is me kind of with Star Wars as well, even a bad Star Wars movie is a Star Wars movie. So even Kingdom of the Crystal right. Skull, a bad indie movie, is still an indie movie, so I still enjoyed it. But it definitely, if I'm ranking these in order, it definitely comes last. All right, so you you opened the door for this question, so I'm oh. going to have to ask. Okay. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull to Indiana Jones as Phantom Menace is to Star Wars. Which was worse? Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. Okay. Because I, I, if you want to go with worst Star Wars movie, I'd say Attack of the Clones. Oh, uh, fair. Okay, fine. Maybe I should have sent it that way. Okay. Your worst Star, worst Star Wars, Wars versus worst Indy. Crystal Skull. Go. Uh, I have, I've still rewatched, I own both of them, but I would still rewatch Attack of the Clones more. Before Crystal Skull? Yes. I think I would too. I'm not so sure about Phantom Menace. I didn't like Phantom Menace enough where I have trouble going back to that oh, Okay. One. No, see, I can watch that one. I watched that one like 45 times in the theater, so I'm... There's a couple of great scenes, but there's so much bad that I just have trouble with it. And something about Attack of the Clones gets a pass for me, and I've never been able to explain it. Mm-hmm. He chose poorly. He chose poorly. Yes. <laughs> That's, I've used that line several times, too. Yeah, you know, I would say... Wise. Oh, yeah, that, that gets that used on a regular basis. That one and uh, no ticket. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He chose poorly. I mean, you can use that at lunch. Oh, yeah. The guy next to you is like, oh, I wish uh, I hadn't ordered that. This is not the baked potato I hoped it would be. Exactly. He, he chose, chose poorly. poorly. All right. Uh, question number two. Which of the grail challenges to, would terrify you the most? Leaping into midair. Yes. The, the leap from the mouth, from the lion's mouth or yep. whatever. Agreed. I'm, I'm there too. <laughs> I mean, good God. Not that splint, not that spinning blades excite me or anything. No, jeez. Well, you know, yeah, let's, yeah. let's remember too that fat guys shouldn't be leaping. So that that's or, what I think. Why all three of us are out, from, or rolling away from spinning blades. Let's be honest. Well, and see, the spinning blades doesn't terrify me because I know I would not be quick enough to duck and roll through that thing. So I'm not going to make it through there anyway. So I figure it's kind of a quick and painless death. Yeah, fair enough. And then spelling, I'm totally fine with spelling. It's the right, you know, leaping as off long of. As I knew that in, if I make it that far, right? And I kind of figured I'd probably choose the right cup. But if I made it far enough to do the the leap from the lion's head, then no, I'm 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 going to turn back and just say sorry, Dad. Yeah, peace out. <laughs> you yeah. know, you get you've lived a good life. <laughs> All right, Pat. Um, yeah, that leap would be pretty terrifying. Okay. It'd be pretty scary. Okay. All right, number three. Would you keep the option for eternal life if it meant you had to remain in the Temple of the Sun? No for Pat. No for Pat. No for John. Can we get TV and internet installed? These are the questions I have. Mm, no. <laughs> and is there come... more to the temple than that room the dude's sitting in? 
there's a yeah on the back of that there's like a swimming pool. Oh, well, I don't. I don't know. I'm just making that. No. Mm-hmm. I'm out. There's a Starbucks back there too. I think. Oh well, hold on. <laughs> now I'm out. I, that would be boring as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. That's a no for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I always feel bad for that night at the end of the movie. I'm like, okay, well now you don't even have the chance for somebody to take over from you because the whole thing is collapsed and the Grail is who knows where underground. So he's basically stuck there for now the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he enjoys playing solitaire. Exactly. All right. Uh, number four, if you were going to help Indy track down an ancient artifact, what would you most want to see? How are we defining ancient artifact? Like, are we ta- I mean, is this kind of wide open or could be like, I'll give you an example. Mine would be um, just because I've, I've read an Indiana Jones comic book where they did this and it was a really fun mm-hmm. comic book. Um, I would go with the spear of destiny. Nice. So that would be mine. Excalibur for me. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I don't think I've got anything. No, no, there's no like ancient cars you want to go after. Not. No. Not really, because they're all like in a museum somewhere. Okay. That belongs in a museum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I do. Uh, I, I don't know. That one's that one's a tough one for me. I'm sure I do, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Like, yeah. be, like, oh, it'd be so cool to go find this thing i just don't know what that would be in insert random lost treasure philosopher stone mm. why not be good one. <laughs> jimmy hoffa i don't there know there you go there you go i mean the ark of the covenant is obviously like maybe blackbeard's treasure there you, there you Ooh, go good one that'd be a good one good one yeah, if you, it, anybody listening to this, if you ever are like, well, I'd like to see other Indiana Jones movies where he goes after like all kinds of crazy things. Um, if you if you watch the young Indiana Jones, there's a lot of different things that you know kind of he get in, gets involved with searching for there. But also the comic books. Actually, they did quite a few comic books throughout the mostly through the '90s, um, where they did some stories and some of them featuring. Uh, his dad as well, like the Spear of Destiny uh, story features uh, his dad as well and kind of like a follow-up story to this one. Um, so that's a good one. But the comics they did, and they did like a series of novels too. So if you want to look for more Indiana Jones adventures, you can totally do that. Uh, last question. If you could travel to anywhere in the world, where would you go? Mine is very simple. I will choose Scotland. Yeah. I would choose Italy to go sure. research my people. There you go. I want to go find where my family came from. There you go. Scotland would be my people, too. I've already been to Scotland, but if I could only go to one place, I would go back. I want to see old stuff. Okay. Stonehenge. Nice. Crumbling castles. So, yeah, the British Isles somewhere. Patrick, where are you going? Uh, well, I mean, where I'm going to retire to, my, my cabin on the coast of uh, the western coast of Ireland. Okay. Would there be, you go. Yep, that's, that's where I've got it all picked out, and that's where I'm going back to. Nice. Uh, however, if it's a place to like visit, you know that I haven't been. I really someday I'm going to get to the Middle East. Okay. Mm. Uh, hopefully, you know all the the war and strife and everything that's going on will have been done. Um, but um, yeah, studying, you know, getting get to like uh, Egypt, Israel, mm-hmm. and, and that area right at right around in there is uh, appeals to me. So. Yeah, I that's actually my other option too. Like if if that area of the world was maybe a little bit safer, 
there's a lot of like ancient cities that are in modern day Turkey and some other places that I would love to yeah. see. But um, yeah, it's a little a little dicey at the moment to yeah. want to travel there just for fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, let me ask you really, really quickly um, for our Letterboxd uh, app that we use to kind of put in some of our movie reviews and our ratings and things like that. Uh, I'm going to put in an average for this movie. They score it as an average out of five. So out of five, what do you give Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? I am already going to go ahead and say I give it a five. I will as well. Yep, me too. I mean, as long as there isn't like a 10 trillion or something, then a five. Typically not an option. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to have to go with the five as well. Okay. We have chosen wisely. All right. Well, in that case, thank you for joining us this time. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, John. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, sir. And if you want to find out more about our show, you can go to 30podcast.com. That's our website where you can find all of our past episodes. Um, And then you can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Uh, Usually 30podcast is our username on each of those. If you want to call into the voicemail and leave some feedback on this movie, any of the others we've covered before, um, answer our five questions yourself or take a look at, uh, give us some feedback on movies that are coming up that we haven't done yet, feel free to call the voicemail line. It's 872-356-6843. That number is also up on our website if you want to check it out there as well. You can find us in all the different places you would find podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all of those. Just look us up as 30 Podcast or the 30-something podcast, and you'll find them there. Uh, our next episodes for the month of January, if we do not do a bonus episode on the movie Glass, which is coming out this month, um... We will definitely be doing an episode on Lethal Weapon next week, as well as License to Kill coming up. And then if you're going to look ahead to February, our movies in February are uh, sports movies, and some of them involving a little bit more death than others, uh, mainly the last one. But uh, our sports movies for February are Major League, Field of Dreams, The Wizard, and The Blood of Heroes. So that's what we got coming up in February if you are watching ahead. Uh, We'll see you back here next week for Lethal Weapon 2. In the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next week.